Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, March 5th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So, as you can probably tell, I am battling the ravages of the common cold. No, I do not have the Rona. You know, apparently regular sick is still a thing. At any rate, I'm going to do my best to fight through this as best I can. I apologize for the condition of my voice, but, you know, there's not much I can do about it. So, at any rate, gold continued to grind lower this week. In fact, the yellow metal hit a near nine-year low on Thursday, and we broke through another support level at $1,700 an ounce. You know, it's the same old story. The bond market is crumbling, the dollar's gaining strength, yields are rising, and people are selling gold. Silver has also been under pressure as well. It's still about $25 an ounce, but it lost uh, 3% late this week. But you know what's not under pressure? Oil. Yesterday, crude was above $64 a barrel for the first time since January 2020, you know, before the pandemic. Now, do you think the economy is stronger now than it was before the pandemic? Of course not. I mean, we had another 745,000 jobless claims last week. That was up from 735,000 claims the week before. But, you know, this is all still good news because it wasn't quite as high as it was as expected. Now, as I've mentioned before, we're still getting weekly first-time unemployment claim numbers bigger than the worst week of the Great Recession. So, you know, sure, you would expect oil to be up from the $20 a barrel lows we saw as demand returns post-pandemic. But for it to already be above pre-pandemic crisis price, it seems clear to me that this is at least in part a reflection of inflation. Think back to the years after the Great Recession as the Fed was doing QE1, 2, and 3. Remember the price of oil skyrocketed and you were paying over $4 a gallon at the gas pump. That's coming down the pike again, ladies and gentlemen. But Jerome Powell is still talking down inflation. The problem is, I don't think people are listening. At some point, his talk is going to have to turn into action. If you've listened to the last couple of shows, you know my take on all of this. The Fed has to pretend there is no inflation because it can't wind down quantitative easing. It can't tighten monetary policy. Rising interest rates are a big problem when your economy is predicated on debt. For now, Powell and company are trying to look the other way and just pretend it's not happening. But at what point will they have to step in and stop yields from rising? In fact, I've made the case that the Fed is ultimately going to have to ramp up QE in order to do just that. It sure can't tighten, as a lot of misguided people still seem to think is going to happen. And it's still going to have to monetize all of the debt that's coming down the pike. Interestingly, there is at least some people out there in the mainstream that think the same way. I'll get to that in just a second. But before that, speaking of debt, the mainstream barely reported on this at all. But on March 1st, the U.S. national debt eclipsed $28 trillion. And of course, there's no end in sight to the borrowing and spending. It was just last fall that the debt surged above $27 trillion for the first time. In less than five months, Uncle Sam added another another $1 trillion to its debt load. And get this, in less than 18 months, the U.S. government blew up the debt by $5 trillion. 
So let's put that into a little bit of perspective. If the Treasury Department billed every U.S. citizen for their share of the national debt, your bill would be $84,827, and every taxpayer would have to fork out $223,000 to settle the national debt. So yeah, the Fed is just going to let interest rates rise, not Now, if you listen to the last two shows, you know my take on all of this. I've done pretty in-depth analysis on what I think is going to happen. But this week, there was analysis from Reuters that made pretty much the same case. Now, I don't really need mainstream validation. I know my analysis makes sense. I understand the economics. But it is nice to get a little mainstream validation every now and then because, honestly, when pretty much everybody is ignoring you and thinks you're nuts, you start to question your own sanity a little bit and wonder what exactly you're missing. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm not missing anything. So, last Friday, we saw a big spike in bond yields. The stock market finally reacted with a little tantrum. The Reuters article called it a tussle over borrowing costs, and it framed the whole thing as kind of a a contest between the markets and the Federal Reserve. Well, the Fed won round one thanks to a little help from the Australians. I'll get to that in a sec. But even the mainstream seems to have noticed that this wrestling match isn't over, and the Fed may be forced to take real action soon. The Reuters report put it this way, round two and perhaps even round three are inevitable, and they may require policy action rather than just words. Now, by policy action, they mean upping quantitative easing, exactly what I've been saying. So anyway, the bond market got clobbered on Friday. As prices fell, the yield on the 10-year Treasury pushed as high as 1.61%, and the 30-year hit 2.4%. Now, these rates aren't high by historical standards, but Peter Schiff said it was one of the biggest intraday moves in the bond market that he's ever seen. Now, up to that point, the stock markets hadn't really reacted very much to rising bond yields, rising interest rates. But on Friday, it sat up and took notice and threw a little bit of a tantrum. The Dow dropped some 480 points. Now, it's important to remember the bond market bloodbath on Friday was part of a larger trend. Yields have been pushing up for weeks. Conventional wisdom tells us that this is due to a quicker than expected economic recovery. We've got a strong economy, and this may force the Fed to tighten monetary policy sooner than expected. This is precisely why we've seen this big sell-off in gold. A lot of people actually believe that the Fed is going to reverse course on its monetary policy. But the Fed officials have been working diligently to jawbone this notion away. Jerome Powell testified on Capitol Hill last week saying he doesn't expect inflation to reach their 2% target for at least three years. He keeps saying there is no inflation, even though everywhere you look, there's inflation. It's kind of nutty, really. It's like a three-year-old that's telling you the cat's not in the room when the cat is clearly in the room. Here's the reality. Bond yields are not spiking because the economy is strong. They're spiking because of stimulus and the resulting inflation. Powell's assurances notwithstanding. When you boil it all down, it's really a matter of supply and demand. Bond yields are up because the U.S. Treasury has flooded the market with bonds. There's not enough demand, even with the Fed now holding a record level of U.S. debt. When demand is weak, prices fall. Yields are inversely related to bond prices, so interest rates are going up. 
It's important to note that last Thursday, the day before this big bond sell-off, the U.S. Treasury held an auction to sell seven-year notes to the tune of $62 billion. It did not go well. Demand was tepid. The bid-to-cover ratio came in at just 2.04. That's the lowest in the auction's history. It's also interesting to note that as yields spiked, the three-year bond yield spiked the most. As one analyst put it, quote, Fed policy should have kept this part of the yield curve nailed to the floor, and the Fed's failure to do so brought into question its credibility. In other words, yak, yak, yak isn't enough. The reality is the talk isn't going to be enough to keep the lid on rising interest rates. And this Reuters article I mentioned, and I'll link to it in the show notes page, it reveals that at least some people out there in the mainstream get this too. Quote, reiterating such messages that inflation isn't a problem and loose monetary policy will remain in place for years. Alongside interventions by smaller central banks such as Australia and South Korea calmed bond markets. Bets on early 2023 Fed rate hikes have ebbed, end quote. Now, Reuters mentions Australia. You see, talk really wasn't enough. It wasn't so much that uh, Powell was able to jawbone some sanity back into the markets. The fact of the matter is the Reserve Bank of Australia stepped in and did the Fed's dirty work this time. It took action and calmed bond markets for now. On Monday, the Aussie Central Bank announced plans to double its quantitative easing program. Australian policymakers faced the same problem we're seeing here in the U.S. Long-term interest rates were spiking. The RBA's move had the desired effect. The yield on the Australian 10-year bond plunged. It also had a ripple effect throughout the global bond market. And I think a lot of people saw this as an Aussie canary in the coal mine, a hint that the Fed will eventually follow suit and increase its quantitative easing as well. After the big sell-off Friday, stock markets rallied on Monday with the Dow up better than 600 points. As Peter Schiff talked about in his podcast, very few people in the U.S. mainstream financial media actually connected the rally with the RBA's policy move. But I think it's undeniable that that was a big part of the picture. The Reuters analyst seemed to get it. She identifies the stock market bubble blown up by the Fed. Quote, Central bank stimulus that crushed borrowing costs to below inflation has fed an equity bull run that has added $64 trillion to the value of global stocks since 2008. Higher yields would put that entire edifice at risk. End quote. Then she accurately observes that the Fed has consistently played the role of white knight, riding in to rescue the market when necessary. Quote, the shifting power power balance between the markets and the Fed became evident in 2013 when a market tantrum forced the Fed to backtrack on plans to start withdrawing stimulus. Another market revolt erupted in late 2018, egged on by then-President Donald Trump. The Fed soon pivoted from raising rates to cutting them, so markets have seen this movie before. I've made this exact same point. Whenever the stock market tanks, the Fed steps in with more loose money to save the day. Our Reuters analyst also understands that the Fed really can't let interest rates rise when the entire economy is predicated on cheap money. Quote, what happens in sovereign bond markets matters because higher yields here raise borrowing costs for companies and households. As capital flow slows, so does economic growth. And higher yields are harder to stomach in a world that has racked up an additional $70 trillion rise in debt since 2013. 
So she's saying basically the same thing I am, that at some point the Fed is going to have to take action to keep bond yields from rising. And the Fed could be put to the test sooner rather than later. Next week, the U.S. Treasury will auction three-year and 10-year bonds. The last debt sale saw lackluster demand, as I've already talked about. So there's no reason to think that investors are suddenly going to be starving for U.S. bonds. That could mean another bad day for the bond market, another spike in bond yields. What is the Fed going to do? According to Reuters, ING Bank predicts the U.S. Treasury will issue another $4 trillion in debt this year. That compares with $3.6 trillion last. The Fed's monthly purchases currently total $120 billion. Now, the math does not add up. As John Hancock analyst told Reuters, as we do more stimulus, we will issue more U.S. Treasury. So if the Fed doesn't increase quantitative easing, they are in essence tapering. And the Fed certainly can't taper, right? It can't let interest rates spike. And words aren't going to be enough to hold interest rates down. Jerome Powell's not going to be able to keep jawboning the markets. The Fed is going to have to take action, and that means more bond buying. I still think that the Fed is going to actually increase quantitative easing in the near future. It's certainly not going to tighten sooner than expected, like most of these people out in the mainstream are fine Reuters analysts notwithstanding seems to believe. The bottom line is we're talking more inflation. So why in the world are people selling gold? Because most of them just don't get it. If you want to learn more about how gold can protect your wealth in a climate of rising inflation, I highly recommend talking to a Shift Gold precious metal specialist today. You can just call 1-888-GOLD-160 or you can shoot them an email at info at shiftgold.com. These guys are fantastic and they can explain the dynamics and why you should be buying gold right now, not selling. So that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. If you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap at iTunes, Stitcher, on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. Links to all of those things are on the show notes page. I do appreciate you listening to the show. I apologize for the nasty, raspy voice. Hopefully next time I will be better. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next time.